Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Good morning. Welcome to the Vince Coakley Radio Program. Glad you are back with us. I uh, want to, beginning, apologize for how my voice will sound. I don't know what it is. Just in the last 24 hours, maybe it's allergies. Uh, sinuses are just on fire, driving me up the wall. So just be aware of that during the course of the broadcast today that uh, that's what I am dealing with. So you'll understand that. A lot of things to talk about during the course of the broadcast today, as you know. Big South Carolina primary. No surprise there in who won that particular contest. We will talk about the outcome of this. But some other related stories to the 2024 presidential contest, including questions about Donald Trump and his cognitive condition. We'll tell you why those questions are looming. Also, the electability questions when you consider the need for Donald Trump to consolidate support with a pretty big chunk of Republicans, even in South Carolina, we'll tell you what that number is and why it is possibly a cause for concern. A changing of the guard coming at the head of the Republican National Party with the announcement of a resignation. This is not a surprise. This was kind of signaled. It was a matter of time before this person was pushed out. And we've already talked about who that replacement will be, likely someone right here in North Carolina. And the game that is played way too frequently in Washington, D.C., shut down roulette. We're just days away from the possibility of another government shutdown. You know the issues involved spending. These are folks who cannot, will not solidify a real budget, haven't done it in years. And so we keep having these stopgap funding bills that go for a few months, and then we're right back in the same place again. So that's what's going on. We will talk about that. Also, we have a death of note to talk about here locally. Someone who is involved in Charlotte politics for a long time. We'll talk with someone who was very much influenced and uh, also appreciated the friendship of this very special person who has passed away. A lot of things to delve into during the course of the broadcast. Also, our good friend Pete Callender will join us. I heard Pete talk about a couple of things, and as I was listening to him, I thought, wow, I'd love to get more of his in-depth perspective on these things. So Pete's going to join us during the broadcast today to offer his insights on 2024. Just a sampling of what is ahead. I want to begin with something positive. We all know what's happening everywhere with prices. One of those areas, food. It's just amazing. I am amazed every time I go to the grocery store and I, I look at the total bill and then I look at what I have. <laughs> I think... I paid that much for this? And the answer is yes, I did. This has been an ongoing issue for us, all of us. Associated Press reports, inflation has changed the way many Americans shop. I told you this is a positive story, by the way. And you're going to find out why this is a positive story. Those changes in consumer habits are helping to bring down inflation. Fed up with prices that remain about 
19% on average above where they were before the pandemic. 19%. How many of you have seen your wages go up 19% since the start of the pandemic? Just asking. But now consumers are fighting back. In grocery stores, they're shifting away from name brands to store brand items. Switching to discount stores or simply buying fewer items like snacks or gourmet foods. More Americans are buying used cars as well rather than new. Forcing some dealers to provide discounts on new cars again. But the growing consumer pushback to what critics condemn as price gouging has been most evident with food as well as with consumer goods like paper towels and napkins. You know the good thing about this story, what is so encouraging Remember I tell you all the time in this broadcast, America works. This is one of the examples. Our free enterprise system, it works. Supply and demand works. Because what happens is when price is too high and you have some choice, you're going to look for options. So what's happened as a result? In recent months, consumer resistance has led large food companies to respond by sharply slowing their price increases from the peaks of the past three years. This does not mean grocery prices will fall back to the levels of a few years ago. Forget about that. Though with some items, including eggs, apples, and milk, prices are below their peaks. But the milder increases in food prices should help further cool overall inflation, which is down sharply from a peak of 9.1% in 2022 to 3.1%. Isn't it great to be in a place where we actually do have power? We have power and control over these things. It's not everywhere where people can say this. But this is our reality. And for that, we can be very, very thankful. This is an area of control. As you know, this is going to be a big issue in the upcoming presidential election. And you're going to hear Joe Biden blame all of this on big companies doing this or that. But let me remind you again where this all started. Interestingly enough, as I touch on the issue of government spending, they are the ones to blame. They are the ones at the source of this problem. They created the problem in the first place, Biden in particular, most recently. And now they want to come along and shift the blame elsewhere. Don't buy it. And continue to do what you're doing. Look for great deals. Don't buy what you don't need to buy. Move away from these name brands. I mean, one of the things I'll just tell you I think I've mentioned it here. I don't mind saying this. As many things as possible that I can get there, I love going to Dollar 25 Tree. So I get all the things I can there, and if I can't find it there, I'll go elsewhere. But that's a tremendous savings. And you want to talk about, you know, I have the, the exact opposite reaction to going to Dollar Twenty Five Tree that I have in regular grocery stores, I'm like, what? I go to Dollar Twenty Five Tree and I look at all the stuff I carry out. I'm like, wow, twenty dollars, and what do I have four or five bags of things. It's a great experience. The consumer is in charge. Always remember that. Coming up, we will delve into. The 2024 presidential race, including the South Carolina primary. We'll talk about the warning signs for this fall. Also, some developments regarding Nikki Haley. That much more. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. So in the ongoing price increases going back to the COVID era, how have you coped? 
Are you simply buying less? Are you making wiser choices? Or are you just in a place where, hey, you've got so much money you don't care? I don't. <laughs> yeah, I do want to go down this fun little road. I was having a conversation with a friend of mine last night. And we were just fantasizing about having mad money. And we were discussing, you know, wouldn't it be cool if you had kind of like uh, Elon Musk type money? You know, and you think about this regarding Twitter. What did he pay in the $50 billion range for Twitter? And it's not worth that much now. It's lost some value. Maybe he'll build it back. Maybe he won't. But I was just making the point about just think of businesses you could buy if you are if you're that rich to the point where you could afford to just blow money. Just go out and, you know, I don't know, buy an airline, buy uh, whatever it is. And with the idea, and, and I think this is the idea with Twitter, it was to buy it to fix it. You know, and there are varying views on whether he has succeeded at that or is in the midst of succeeding in that. But the bottom line is he wanted it, so he bought it. And he can do whatever he wants with it. And even if he loses money, big deal. He's got billions more. <laughs> I mean, anyway, maybe that's you. You're at a place with these prices, these increases. That doesn't matter. Just additional money. Can't take it with you anyway, right? But I'd love to get your thoughts as to how you are coping. Our phone number is 704-570-1110. I mentioned the South Carolina primary. It's over. No surprise. I was not expecting any surprises there. Drudge has some very interesting headlines on this. And I know there are people who have differing views about Drudge and what has happened to him. Uh... I like the what he does, along with other sites that aggregate news stories. You may not agree with those choices, but it you know, and I'll acknowledge he clearly has gone through a shift in his perspective on all of this. But I think at the same time he's because of his, I would say, greater objectivity. He's bringing out things that I'm not sure people were thinking about. Here's a sample. Some of the headlines related to 2024. Now, you could look at 2024 if you're Donald Trump and say, hey, I've won big. But here's another perspective. 40% of Republicans voted against Trump and the South Carolina demographic warning signs are there. You've got two issues. You've got a divided party. I mean, think about it. 40% voted against you? It's not good. How do you bring those people back into the fold? Because you can bet that, at least among the Democrats, most of them are going to, more of them are going to be loyal, if for no other reason to keep Trump out. The other thing, the demographic warning, warning signs. We've talked about this before. At the top of the list... Suburban women. That's an issue. I'm not going to read all of this story, but Axios has an interesting item here. Trump's demographic problem. If America were dominated by old, white, election-denying Christians who didn't go to college, former President Trump would win the general election in as big of a landslide as his sweep of the first four GOP contests. It's not. That's why some top Republicans are worried about the general election, despite Trump's back-to-back-to-back wins in Iowa, New Hampshire, Nevada, South Carolina. Trump declared the winner, South Carolina's Republican Party, the second the polls closed. I mean, I was not surprised how quickly the announcement was made that he won. Trout and Nikki Haley by 20 points, 60 to 40, in the state where she was governor. The woman never had a chance. Trump campaign declared the primary fight over, even though he can't officially 
clinch the nomination until next month. And then they go into numbers. And these numbers certainly do indicate there's a specific group of people who really like Donald Trump. There's another specific group of people who do not. And even within the Republican Party. So the bottom line is he has some work to do. So the Don sweeps all four first states. Here's another interesting thing. A third think felony conviction would disqualify. That can't be helpful. More worrying blunders. He told voters, I believe in Michigan, to go vote on November 27th. It was supposed to be March 27th, I believe. Also got Melania's name wrong. And accidentally said, suggested, Biden should be president. So there are gaffe issues beginning to surface as well. What are the implications here? Just a sampling of some of the things. And I'm curious whether you are surprised at all by any of this. Already, some of you lining up to talk about the inflation issue, and we will, I promise, get to your calls. Also, we'll talk about a big blow to Nikki Haley's campaign, how long she's going to stay in. That's a big question. But she definitely has less money behind her after one major announcement. We'll talk about that as we continue. Back on Vince Coakley radio program. Earlier, we talked about what's going on with the economy and how you and I are making better choices in order to manage our food budgets. For instance, we're not buying the name brands all the time. We're making smart choices. And the manufacturers, these big businesses, they've had to retool, figure out how do we keep these customers, which is really good couple of calls on this economic issue, beginning with Troop. Good morning, and welcome to the broadcast. Are you there, Troop? Hello? Yes, it's all you. Hello. Take it away. For some reason, uh, somebody must have the radio on or something. Instead, let's give him a moment to regroup. Let's go out to Dean. Good morning, Dean, and welcome. Hello? Yes, sir. It's all you. Oh, okay. Um, hey, I, I had a couple comments on uh, inflation, and, and you said if you had a lot of money. Um, I, I, I sort of feel that uh, there's really not much we can do about prices and that uh, we can only react to it. So just like uh, I think, don't they say, like, there's no playbook for raising children and stuff like that? Um, I don't think there's any uh, playbook for how you handle inflation or pricing in that. You have to handle it with what works just for you individually. Um, you know, some people won't give up things. Some people take satisfaction in cutting back on things. I, I just think you have to take care of yourself first. Um, that was my comment about inflation. And regards to money, if I had a lot of money, well, the first thing I would do is uh, make sure that you stayed on the air, Vince. I buy probably buy a radio station and let you run it. <laughs> okay. And then, secondly, I would just walk around and hand out money to people that I thought needed it or that would appreciate it because that would make me feel good. Those would be the only two things I think I do. Ah, give away money. I, I like that idea. Very much appreciate your call there, Dean. A generous person there. <laughs> Or maybe you should work in the government so we can give away somebody else's money. Just kidding. Believe me, I'm just kidding. So we told you what happened over the weekend with the not surprising loss. Nikki Haley losing in her own state where she was governor. I, I don't think you're going to find anybody who was surprised by the outcome. Now, for her part, Nikki Haley is... Continuing on, there's speculation that maybe she might 
decide to pull out after Super Tuesday. Who knows? But this has to be a blow to her campaign. See, it's one thing when you're out there raising money and you're out there doing everything you can to have a successful campaign on your own steam. It's another thing when you have surrogates out there working for you, out there maybe putting people to work to knock on doors for you, and for that matter, raising money for you to help in your efforts. One such organization, Americans for Prosperity Action, this is an advocacy organization that is backed by billionaire Charles Koch and his network of wealthy conservatives supporting Nikki Haley in the Republican presidential primary. But here's the bad news for Ms. Haley. They are pulling the plug as of now. Pulling the plug. Following Haley's defeat in the early primary states, including her home state of South Carolina, AFP has decided to refocus its mission on United States Senate and House races. This is according to an internal staff email sent by Americans for Prosperity CEO Emily Seidel and reviewed by ABC News. This cannot be good news. Seidel wrote the AFP remains confident in its endorsement, still supports Haley, but recognizes the challenges moving forward into the next primary states. She's made it clear she'll continue to fight. We wholeheartedly support her in this effort. But given the challenges in the primary states ahead, we don't believe any outside group can make a material difference to widen her path to victory. Reacting to the news, the Haley campaign thanked the group for being an ally in the fight for freedom and conservative government. We thank them for their tremendous help in this race. Our fight continues, and with more than $1 million coming in from grassroots conservatives in just the last 24 hours, we have plenty of fuel to keep going. We have a country to save. Hmm. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? They're still pressing ahead, the Haley campaign, even without this additional support from Americans for Prosperity Action. Does this surprise you at all? No surprise to me. I think they want to get more bang for their buck. They want to make sure that they are using their money wisely. And I think they've recognized this is just throwing money away. It really is. Because there is no chance at this point Nikki Haley is going to win this thing. I will just add something that I've said before. I told you I'm not a Nikki Haley fan. In the chance, and I think it's a real possibility, in the chance that Nikki Haley ends up being the only person standing through some circumstance like Donald Trump having a successful criminal action succeed against him and he's thrown into prison and he can't run, I still won't vote for Nikki Haley. I want to make that very clear. Because of my generosity, we're going to give Troop another chance to uh, address what he wants to talk about in regard to the economy. Good morning, Troop, and welcome. Well, that's a bust yet again. So, so much for that idea. <laughs> Still to come, we're going to talk about more dysfunction of the nation's capital. We'll deal with the Republican National Committee. A changing of the guard will take place. Uh, this is probably one of the least surprising bits of information. There will be a change at the early part of next month in terms of who is running the RNC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. All right, Charlotte, join Breaking Brett Jensen 
at the first WBT Cigar Club meetup of 2024. That's coming up this week, folks. Thursday, February 29th, 6 to 9 p.m. at the Vintage Whiskey and Cigar Bar in Gastonia. Watch Brett host Breaking with Brett Jensen live. Browse premium cigar brands, including Cohiba. And enjoy giveaways and specials courtesy of the Vintage. It's the WBT Cigar Club. Thursday, February 29th at the Vintage Whiskey and Cigar Bar in Gastonia. Seating is limited, so lock in your reservation today, as in right now. Don't put it off. Email cigar at WBT.com for reservations. So we mentioned what has happened on the Republican presidential race. And one of the significant figures in all of this is the leader of the National Party. It's somebody, I mean, let's be honest, generally speaking, the person in charge of the party is there at the pleasure of the candidate. That's the way this works. So there has been controversy about Ronna McDaniel for quite some time. There have been calls for her to step down. And finally, we heard some days ago that was probably going to happen. Not right away, but in a matter of days. Well, now we have confirmation that's exactly what's going to happen. She will resign from her post on March 8th. She put out a statement saying, it's been the honor and privilege of my life to serve the Republican National Committee for seven years as chairwoman to elect Republicans and grow our party. I'll just tell you, the last few years have really sucked for this party on the national stage. It's horrible. It's horrendous. And there are reasons for that. I'll just tell you, there are reasons for this that no amount of fundraising will take care of. But we can talk about that another time. She goes on to say, I've decided to step aside at our spring training on March 8th in Houston to allow our nominee to select a chair of their choosing. The RNC has historically undergone change once we have a nominee, and it's always been my intention to honor that tradition. McDaniel's decision, not unexpected. She'd reportedly planned to step down after the South Carolina primary. Trump has already endorsed his preferred replacement, RNC General Counsel Michael Watley. RNC co-chair Drew McKissick said in a statement he would also resign from his role in March. Trump has endorsed his daughter-in-law, Laura Trump, to serve as the next co-chair. McKissick saying, I look forward to working with the RNC and President Trump's team to make sure we win this November by taking back the White House, the Senate, and maintaining our majority in the House of Representatives. I don't think I need to say anything more about this. This is, as far as I'm concerned, this is a party that's ideologically dead. It's dead. I don't know what this party stands for. I really don't. So I think that's really one of the first things they need to figure out. Who are they? Is this a party that centers around a person? What are the beliefs? What's the ideology? What are they going to fight for? What's the unifying, what are the unifying principles of this party? Because I don't see them. I certainly don't see them operation in the House and the Senate. Quite the opposite. What I continue to see there is mostly a party made up of progressive Republicans. That's what I see. So what's the point? What is the point? Speaking of, we've got the issue of funding this monstrosity called the federal government. CNN reports there are five days until a partial government shutdown, and lawmakers have yet to reach a deal to avert it. It's pretty ugly. Lawmakers had hoped to release the text of a bipartisan spending deal Sunday evening, but the bill is yet to be unveiled. How many times have you heard these kinds of things? Oh, we've got this thing worked out behind closed doors. High-level disagreements over policy issues remain. House Speaker Mike Johnson 
Louisiana Republican, under immense pressure from his right flank to fight for conservative wins. Chuck Schumer, Democrat from New York, warned of the risk of a shutdown in a Dear Colleague letter Sunday and said that intense discussions are underway with Johnson and other key lawmakers. Schumer blamed chaos with the House Republican Conference for the delay, writing, while we'd hoped to have legislation ready this weekend that would give ample time for members to review the text, it's clear now that House Republicans need more time to sort themselves out. That's a little jab at the House Republicans. You know why they need to? Do you know why the Republicans need to sort this out? Because they're the only, only ones really standing for anything of any value. The statist, big government Republicans are in perfect unity with Chuck Schumer. Mitch McConnell and company, I mean, they'll, they'll take anything. Johnson took a swing at Schumer's criticism of the House GOP writing on social media. Despite the counterproductive rhetoric in Leader Schumer's letter, the House has worked nonstop and is continuing to work in good faith to reach agreement with the Senate on compromised government funding bills in advance of the deadlines. Congress confronting a pair of shutdown deadlines, March 1st, and March 8th, this is after lawmakers passed a short-term funding bill in January. How many of these are we going to do? So we're going to, we got one, that two that expire, 1st and 8th of March. What are we going to do now? Is this one going to carry us to, what, May? And they'll have to do another one to go until the end of the fiscal year? This is, this is madness is what it is. But you know they love the games. We have a developing story to tell you about. As you know, one of the big stories for 2024, the presidential contest, is the border. If it's not at the top of the list, it's near it. Now we've learned Mr. Magoo, President Biden, and the former president will visit the U.S.-Mexico border on the same day this week. This will make for an interesting split-screen of these two candidates. Trump expected to give remarks at Eagle Pass on Thursday. Biden's visit comes as he considers sweeping executive action to restrict migrants' ability to seek asylum at the U.S. southern border if they crossed illegally. Biden has repeatedly lambasted congressional Republicans for failing to pass a bipartisan compromise spending package that included significant concessions on border policy. Biden has previously visited the border once as president, traveling to El Paso, January 2023, where he visited a migrant respite center, but did not appear to see or meet with migrants. Imagine that. So this comes up on Thursday. So this will make for some interesting viewing. We'll see who's on the left and who's on the right side of the screen. But you know what the positions are. Donald Trump looking to restrict border access. Joe Biden, pretty much open borders. Come on over and help yourself. Still to come in the broadcast, we will talk about the loss of a Charlotte leader as we continue our broadcast. Stay with us. Hour number two of the Vince Coakley radio program still to come. I'll tell you a little bit about my weekend and we'll also uh, just discuss some of the things that I've been thinking about. Maybe things that may resonate with you and maybe not. First, I want to start off talking about a big loss for the city of Charlotte. I've been in the city since 1992. This is a very different city than the one I moved to. When I moved to the city, there was a very strong Republican Party presence locally. 
on the city council, the county commission. We had a Republican mayor. One of the people who is significant, a very much a significant presence in this city, was Lynn Wheeler, Charlotte City Council member, described by the Charlotte Observer as a consummate networker, and I've experienced that personally. She helped to shape her adopted city. Sadly, she died on Saturday after a brief battle with cancer. I... I... It breaks my heart every time I hear these stories because I've had several other people experience the same thing. Diagnosed with pancreatic cancer last Tuesday, two days before her birthday. She's already gone. It's just heartbreaking. Elected the city council way back in 1989, the same year as Pat McCrory, went on to serve as mayor pro tem, chair of the city's economic development committee, playing a key role in many economic development projects, among them a decision to spend millions of dollars on an uptown arena, not long after voters rejected the idea in a referendum. But there's no question that she absolutely loved the city of Charlotte, and I think most would agree she served this city very, very well. One person who had a very special relationship, friendship with Lynn Wheeler is joining us now on the broadcast, and we're very thankful he is with us. We're talking about former state senator Joel Ford. Uh, Welcome to the broadcast, sir. Thank you, and good morning. I want to make sure I get this correctly, and we were talking about networking. Is it correct that did she not introduce us some years ago, if I remember correctly? I think she yes. uh, played a significant role there. So um, uh, certainly very, very thankful for that. For those people who do not know, because we've got a lot of people who have come into town or may not have much familiarity with Charlotte politics and the history, tell us about your friend uh, personally and in terms of her contributions to Charlotte. Lynn was a very unique individual in that she had the ability and the personality to bring unlikely people together. And looking back at it, she would find the commonality in the different people. And so she was very big on people um, having a good heart. And if you love the city, then you knew Lynn Wheeler because she loved the city and she was willing to do um, what she needed to do on behalf of our city. And I think she sought those people out, and especially those people who may not have thought that they had something in common with the other person. And so I was very fortunate, blessed even, to be a recipient of her friendship, love, and connections. You know, it's interesting you say this because I I think this is a skill that's very much lost today. Um, And and I'm not, I I don't so much like the idea of the word bipartisan. It it can be kind of meaningless. But I I think maybe the word I want to use is transpartisan in the sense that uh, I don't think it mattered to her in the sense that, as you described here, if there are people of goodwill she, she's eager to engage them and connect them with other people of goodwill. Is that a good characterization, Joel Ford? A hundred percent. And so that, that is the lost art of, of politics, in my opinion, in today's politics. Um, and so a lot of people didn't um, understand me as a Democrat when I was fortunate enough to be able to serve in Raleigh. But... I Vince, I came from an example in Charlotte where we had bipartisan support, right? So you had Pat McCory as a mayor. You had Lynn Wheeler, who was a Republican on city council at large. Um, and, and there were a couple of other Republicans, but it was still dominated by Democrats. And Democrats locally figured out how to be led by a Republican mayor 
and, and, and still be able to get things done with this city. And I think, my opinion, my opinion only, it struck a, a good balance. And, and we had good local public policy. We got things done, and we had a working relationship with Raleigh. And, and Lynn Wheeler was able to work rooms, work back rooms on behalf of our city. What is it that you would describe about Lynn that perhaps people didn't know from behind the scenes that you want people to understand about your friend? While she was a Republican, while she was a conservative, she wanted to do what was best for the city. And sometimes that went against her own party. And, and, and that's rare in politics in that you have a elected official, a politician who will go against the grain and do what's right on behalf of the city, on behalf of your community to get things done. And, you know, Vince, uh, looking back at her service, looking back at her life, I am glad that I was open enough to receive her generosity, her friendship, and I believe, um, I know that I'm a better person because of it. That's pretty awesome, and I think there are so many other people who would certainly say the same thing just about the benefit they've received from engaging her as a friend and also as a colleague over the years. So uh, we so appreciate uh, what she has done in so many ways. Joe Ford, thanks a lot for coming on the broadcast this morning and appreciate you sharing your thoughts on your friend. Thank you, Vince. I appreciate the opportunity. On the Vince Coakley radio program, 13 minutes after 11 o'clock, it's... Um, certainly a time to reflect and be thankful for a life that was well lived to the very end. Lynn Wheeler passing away at the age of 80. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Back on the Vince Coakley radio program, getting your input on what is going on in the nation's capital. Our deadline coming up on March 1st, another one on, I believe, the 8th. <laughs> These folks just don't stop doing the same crap over and over again without consequence. Let's go out to a call from Richard. Good morning, Richard, and welcome. Earth call Good morning. Richard. Yes, sir. Yeah, I have a couple issues that I'd like to to uh, put before you. But first of all, I respect your show. I like the way that you give both sides and you, you listen to different people's viewpoints and all. Thank you. Appreciate but that. I think we got, I mean, the two things that I'd like to talk about, one of them is term limits. And if I'm not mistaken... The ability for those people up there to be exempt from insider trader laws. Goodness, yep. And in talking with some of my friends, I had one guy that I went to school with. We graduated in 1960, so you could do the math how old we are. But he tells me, and I guess I should tell you the issue I'm concerned about, and it's the fact that the president can only serve two terms, eight years. Why are the people in Congress allowed to stay there until they kick over or <laughs> quit rolling men on wheelchairs and all? Uh, my friend, who is better knowledgeable than I am, said the only way you can change that is a convention of states. Yes. And I would like to hear your 
opinion on that. And if that is a fact that, you know, the Convention of States could enact a law, but you can't expect them politicians up there to enact a law, to enact a law that they could only serve their eight years because that's not what they're, they're not up there to serve us. They're up there to enrich themselves and their friends. Yep. That's my opinion. Man, you hit it on the head. Richard, I cannot improve upon what you've said. Um, By the way, I'm glad you mentioned this subject of Convention of States because we are going to discuss this very soon. We're going to have a guest on to talk about how this thing works and what the prospects are of actually pulling it off. Let's go out to a call from Randy. Good morning and welcome, Randy. Hey, good morning, Vince. Yes, sir. I wanted to ask you, uh, and it's nothing. It's not personal about Miss uh, Wheeler, uh, God rest her soul, and uh, and everything like that. It's uh, you know somebody who lived in Charlotte during all of that basketball, the referendum, and everything. When a politician blatantly goes against the obvious wishes of their constituents, the ones that voted them in office, and just say, "Hey." You know, we're going to, uh, uh, you know, thanks for the referendum, two to one, but, you know, that's our job. We don't you guys care. Just, right. We don't care, and we're going to do it. And, you know, when they said that she, uh, and it's not, again, personal, when this per, uh, politician, they say, she did a really good job for the community, you know, paying for a privately owned for-profit business and making guys like me give these billionaire guys money to run their company, you know, it ain't the Red Cross. Hey, I hear what you're saying. I don't know if you heard my comments, by the way, on this subject. Uh, We were talking about this some days ago about the possibility of Major League Baseball. Uh, If you were listening that day, but one of the comments I made, I'd love for somebody to come with deep pockets, uh, an Elon Musk type who's ready to come in and spend their own money. Period. Not going to ask for anything. Yeah, you know, we'd like some buy-in in some way, but ultimately it's my stadium. It's my team. Uh, I'm going to pay for it. Um, I'm, I'm fully in agreement with what you're communicating here, that the time for subsidizing billionaires, you know, should be over. It should be. But it probably isn't. There will be more, I suspect. Let's go, uh, if this works here, go out to a call from John. Uh, good morning and welcome, John. Hey, good afternoon, Vince. Uh, hey, before I get to the point about the budget process, Richard had a really good call about the Convention of States. Two two quick points on that. One, we had the best chance of Convention of States during the Obama years on the second term when there were 38 governors right. that were Republicans. But the issue is they themselves are greedy individuals because they aspire to become a senator. If you will never have a Democrat governor do anything that will limit the power of Congress. Likewise, you are very less likely to get a conservative governor to do the same if he aspires to get to become a senator and then to the White House. So uh, Convention of States, our founding fathers put that in there because they thought differently over 200 years ago. Likewise, they didn't restrict their terms because none of them wanted to stay there any longer than they had to. They capped the president at two terms because they feared another uh king they they were worried that somebody would slip into power and try to become a tyrant so they they limited their powers of president but themselves they couldn't wait to get back to the farm to go back to making newspapers running jewelry shops so they never thought about limiting themselves because they all were in the correct thought their minds come to town and then leave their mindset was very different wasn't it then what's uh, happened uh, today? Obama's uh, Freudian slipper. Biden's officials <laughs> say, you know, we got it. We got to do the defense budget so we can restock our own ammunition. But he's trying to tie it to aid with Ukraine. If we if we're down that low, pass an appropriation bill to rebuild our one five fives, our five five sixes, our Lars rockets, everything like that, and and forget foreign aid. One thing at a time, guys. Not omnibus. You got that right. John, I appreciate your call. Lots of really good stuff here. And if only what you've just described could get some traction, we'd have a critical mass of people who are determined 
this is what we're going to do. And at the state level, state by state, we can try to take this back. That's the best way to try to pull it off. As we continue our broadcast 27 minutes after the hour of 11 o'clock, still to come a conversation with one of our favorite people, Pete Callender. He's going to weigh in on some subjects that I've heard him talk about, and I want to pick his brain a bit about 2024, about what is going on with our electoral process, and much more. Messages on social media. Let's start here. This person says, all the people that don't like Trump are afraid to look in the mirror. It's from Dean. Trump is just the personification of the true nature of human beings. Survival of the fittest. It may be disgusting, but true. It's a good point. Keith also writes in, hope all is well. How in the world did Trump pull this off? 91 charges, not one debate, caused a riot, and he let everyone knock themselves out. Jeesh. Vince, it's over. He's winning. Shaking my head. To make matters worse, he'll get the young black voters. I talk to people in the hood. They're talking about voting for Trump. Reason? Immigration. Biden let millions in our country, gave them lodging, debit cards, etc. Black people look at this as a slap in the face. It sure is. Come on, Michelle Obama. You're the only one that can fix this. Perspective from Keith, who is really anxious to see Michelle Obama jump into this. At 35 minutes after the hour of 11 o'clock, someone I have a great deal of respect for joining this broadcast, I think, for the first time. You can hear him on News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT every day, Monday through Friday, from noon to 3. And he, I think... Maybe I should let him define himself, but he, he, like me, is more libertarian-leaning. And one of the things I like about Pete is he's not in anybody's pocket at all from the standpoint of he's an independent thinker, and thinking is so, so needed in this day and age. Pete Callender, good morning, and welcome to the broadcast, sir. Well, thank you. Vince, I don't know how I actually could live up to that uh, that introduction. I don't <laughs> just by being kind of you. you. That's how you do it. <laughs> All right, well, that's very kind of you. I appreciate it. I've heard you talk about a couple of things that I, as soon as I heard it, I thought I've got to have him come on this broadcast and talk about these things because that was really cool. And and if time permits, we go in some other things. But first and foremost, on the presidential contest, you were talking about the importance of candidates appealing to you. You know, surrogates are fine. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, the candidates really need to ask for our votes, right? Yeah, right. It's one of those things where if you can have a conversation with candidates and they never ask you to vote for them, it's kind of like, well, that's, that is what the ask is. That's the whole point of having this conversation, right? So if they, it's just like asking for a sale, right, in, in business. You, you have to make the ask at some point. So what's the ask? And the ask is to vote for me. Okay, why should I vote for you? What are your principles? What do you intend to do? And that sort of thing. And if you want my vote, um, then you should make that case to me. And I feel like a lot of the time now we're just getting people who are making the case for why I should not vote for somebody else rather than why I should cast a vote affirmatively for them. You know, and, the, and they've both been doing this for years. I mean, you look on the Democrat side, and I think especially as it relates to people of color, you know, the Republican Party is the party of racists, and uh, they're going to take your voting rights away. And heck, you know, you're going to find yourself back in chains. Mm-hmm. You know, it's fear, fear, fear. And then the other side, you know, it's the Republicans telling people, we've got to save the country. We've got a country to save. And I don't know about what you're seeing, Pete Callender, but Republicans have been talking this game for years. And I don't see much saving going on at all. Well, right. And this is part of the reason why. And I've had this conversation with a couple of friends uh, a few weeks ago, and they are there on the left. Um, and I tried to explain to them that, you know, Donald Trump is a symptom of where we are. He, he's not the cause of why we are where we are. Right. 
he would never have uh, had his rise had the culture, had our society been in a different place. And th- so this whole, and I'm sure you've heard it as well, we've been hearing it for eight years, which is, you know, he fights. That's been the argument for Trump is that he fights, and all too often conservatives and Republicans, <clears throat> excuse me, have not. Um, they get in and their uh, their efforts are mainly to sort of uh, protect the status quo as it is when they arrive into power. And so whatever gains were made by leftists uh, kind of get frozen and Republicans uh, and conservatives won't uh, won't unwind a lot of that stuff. And so this and, and people get fed up with it. And so they eventually say, you know what, I'm just going to hire somebody to come in and wreck the joint because there's all this stuff that's in place that I don't want anymore. And uh, there is a real sense. And I, I do agree that there is a real sense that, yes, uh, you know, freedom is only a generation away uh, we are from from being lost by a free society like ours. And I do believe that we are uh, we're always in, you know, in this uh, environment. So it does require vigilance. Absolutely. Um, but I also I also am curious, you know, what am I fighting for? What is like for Donald Trump, for example, when they say he fights? Well, what is exa- what exactly is he fighting for? Exactly. Because if I disagree with what he's fighting for, then that's not a persuasive argument to me. It's like on the left. They say we must have progress. Well, towards what? If we're progressing towards a cliff, I'm not interested in going off that <laughs> cliff. You know, I love that. That's a great line there. Talking with Pete Callender. And one of the things and, and I think this is closely related to this. I have just been disgusted watching the bastardization of terms in recent years. Uh, and, and I think you were talking about this. Mm-hmm. I heard you discussing this where people throw around the word rhino. I mean, it used to mean, and, and I, I, you may or agree or disagree on this, I pretty much embrace most, if not all, of the Republican platform. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's a great document and what it proclaims, uh, but nobody's doing anything with it. And so we get to this thing of throwing around the word rhino. And what does that mean? What does that mean anymore? At, at this point, I think it means absolutely nothing except what uh, rhino today means that you disagree with me. Right. That's exactly what it means. That's the only right. That's the only thing that I've been able to determine as well, because it used to be you know, re- Republican in name only is what it stands for. R-I-N-O. There's no H in there, by the way, for folks who may be trying to spell that uh, on social media. There's no H. It's just R-I-N-O. And um, it used to mean, you know, insufficiently loyal uh, or adherent to party platform uh, planks, right? The the policies and philosophies as expressed in the Republican Party platform. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to agree with every single plank in the platform, but, you know, more often than not, this is what you are. Now, you start behaving repeatedly against those those policies or those preferences, then, yeah, that's what get, that used to be. That's what got you tagged as a rhino. Um, now, I don't even know what that means. Again, and this is not a Trump bashing uh, thing. Like I, I've said for a couple of years now that the parties are realigning, right? So I don't know how this is going to shake out, what they're going to look like, what the philosophies are going to look like. But, you know, some of the things that Donald Trump is espousing are not in line with the Republican Party platform, nor have they been. He's a lifelong Democrat. And so I do find it interesting when I hear Trump supporters calling other people rhinos because quite literally Donald Trump is that. But he is now and the same thing with establishment. What is an establishment Republican anymore? I'm not so clear because you've got Ron McDaniel in places at the RNC uh, for not much longer. But, you know, that she's there because Trump wanted her there and he took over control of the party. He's the leader of the party. He is now the establishment. Yes, there are wings in the party that are going to fight him. uh, But there needs to be some sort of, I don't know, rebranding effort for the Mitch McConnell crowd, because I don't know if they're, quote, establishment. I don't even know what that means anymore. So these terms get thrown around just as insults for, like you said, this person doesn't agree with me 100 percent of the time. As you know, we don't have a lot of time to work with, but where does this whole contest leave somebody like Pete Callender in 2024? (laughs) Well, uh, as one who has never voted for a major party candidate for president, um, it leaves me in the same spot I was. Um, although, like, honestly, I and I've said this on the show uh, as well, that I am kind of leaning uh, towards now, like, considering having to vote for Trump because Joe Biden is so bad. Um, but I have always used my non-vote 
or a vote for a libertarian president, um, I've always done that as a protest because, you know, the campaigns know this stuff. They track not how you vote individually, but they can see when people leave the top of the uh, ballot blank or they vote for a libertarian and then they vote down ballot. You get enough of that and the parties do see that. Um, but you got to get enough of that in order to send sort of a market signal to the to the parties. Um, and, I, you know, it's just my one vote. It doesn't my one vote is not going to matter in the grand scheme of things in North Carolina in the presidential race. Um, not to mention the fact, like I said, I've never voted for one of these people for Republican or Democrat president ever. So you've never had my vote and it's unlikely you're going to get one this time around either. Well, I think that pretty much sums it up. <laughs> well expressed there by, by Pete Callender, who you can hear on this radio station right after the Vince Coakley radio program at high noon. Hey, it's good to talk to you, and I so appreciate your perspective and uh, just the, the stimulation of thought that is so needed in our society right now. Keep on keeping on, Pete. Thank, thank you, you, Vince. It's always a pleasure, sir. I appreciate it. Love to get your thoughts on the Vince Coakley radio program. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Final stretch of the Vince Coakley Radio Program on this Monday. Time for us to take a look at the day in history. Tommy, how are you today? Doing well, sir. Hope you are. Hope you had a good weekend. Yes, it's pretty good. I may talk more about it if time permits. Anything special this weekend? Uh, I was at that Charlotte FC match that had 63,000 people going nuts up in Uptown this uh, Saturday night. And got to say, it was, I mean, I've been to quite a few of those games now. um, And they're not all like that, but man, it was a pretty special environment there on Saturday night. What's the outcome, by the way? Uh, they won one nothing. They scored on a corner awesome. kick in the uh, first 10 minutes or so of the game. Um, they missed a penalty in the second half that could have sort of salted it away. But um, 1-0 under the new Dean Smith. Okay. This is going to be really cool to uh, watch this season. I'm, I'm going to definitely make it a point to uh, check out a few games this time around. Hey, it's going to be really cool. We have a total of, uh, what is this, uh, nine items here on this particular date, the 26th of February. Get a load of this. Talk about bureaucracy. 1790, after the revolution, France was divided into 83 departments, administrative regions, 83 of them. Sounds like a lot of fun. 1848. You're familiar with these names, Marx and Engels. Probably the most well-known of the two is Marx. They published this in London in 1848. What was it called? Is that the Communist Manifesto? Unfortunately, yes. That is absolutely correct. 1990, 1919, I should say. This was designated a national park. It's probably one of my favorite places I've ever visited, especially uh, went for a helicopter ride to overlook this huge area that you look down and down and down and down. I think that's a big hint. Would that be the Grand Canyon? You better believe it. The Grand Canyon designated as National Park, 1919. Speaking of parks, this place established in Wyoming in 1929 probably less known but you might know what it is another national park which one is that Yellowstone no it's Grand Teton mm, gotcha Wyoming I have a hard time with the states that all of those are in out uh, there they're exactly. just kind of you know middle of nowhere beautiful places you hear about <laughs> one they're all the same that's what it feels like at times 1945, the U.S. puts a midnight curfew on cars, nightclubs, and places of entertainment. I didn't know that was put in place. Kind of interesting. Nothing good happens after midnight anyway. Go to bed. That's right. <laughs> we can. Uh, there are all kinds of variations we've heard from our parents on that one, haven't <laughs> For sure. 1974, this shoemaker, very popular now, Got a patent for waffle sole shoe invented in a waffle iron. Did you know that's... Mm, this no, is that like... Happened? 
Is that like what? Adidas? What? No, it was Nike. Oh, okay. I just actually just did a little Google of it, and yeah, I see. I see what they're talking about, huh? Waffle sole shoe. That's kind of had no idea. That's what that was called. 1984 tragedy, of course, led to this. The last U.S. Marine left Beirut. 1993. You might call this a dry run. This particular building in New York City bombed. Five people were killed. Hundreds injured. What was this location? Uh, it was also the World Trade Center, wasn't it? Yes, it was. World Trade Center did not succeed the first time. Of course, sadly, they did later. And 2012, Trayvon Martin shot to death by George Zimmerman. And look at the day in history. Uh, I said briefly I was going to talk about the weekend, which was several elements I want to tell you about. First, I want to talk about food and travel. How's that in the last minute or so? Friday, this is kind of interest. I knew this place was there, but one of my favorite chicken places in Kentucky is actually in Rock Hill. I went there years ago when I was in television, but I've not been there since. And uh, I rarely have time when I go to Kentucky to go to this place. So, uh, and I also found out the uh, made contact with the owner of this one. And uh, I thought, you know, I'm going to go down and check it out. Actually, a friend of mine said, hey, let's go do it. So we went down. And <laughs> this is really funny. You'll get a kick out of this. So we go down there. And on the way, I saw my favorite Mexican restaurant that Charlotte has not had in years. It's in Rock Hill still. So we looked at each other and we were like, uh, tell you what, let's do takeout of the chicken place and have it later over the weekend and let's eat in at the Mexican place. We did and the food was extraordinary. It was absolutely great. I wish they would come back to Charlotte, but the food was just excellent. So uh, I also posted on social media, people were probably thinking, wait a second, this guy have two dinners? Did he actually have a chicken dinner? And then, <laughs> uh, no. That did not happen that way, but it was so cool to reconnect with two of my favorites in the same day. That was awesome. Saturday, went to Charleston, had a great time, just a day trip, left in the morning, came back in the evening, great time, uh, went to Folly Beach. It was just uh, wonderful, awesome weather. Uh, great time to enjoy Charleston before all the spring breakers hit the place. So hope you had a great weekend as well. We continue our broadcast tomorrow at the same time. Have yourselves a great day and God bless you. Adios.